it's good to be home. I uh, do what? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let me say that um, the week I took off, I uh, got to thinking about the months that I had uh, been here preaching off and on, and it occurred to me that um, I had not preached one message on the cross. And so I thought today, and at least next Sunday, I would want us to center our thinking and our thoughts about the cross. The cross is the very essence of Christianity. It is both the symbol and the substance of the Christian message. If you think about it, there would have been no resurrection if there had not been a cross. If there had not been a cross, the birth of Christ would have been like any other birth because there were many men or babies that were named Jesus. That was a very common name. And so today I want us to read a couple of scriptures And then next Sunday, I want to develop another message around the cross. And today, I want us to look generally at four things, four truths that we can carry home because of the cross. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then in Romans, Paul wrote in chapter 5, you see, he said in verse 6, you see just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone may, might possibly dare to die. And then he says, but God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was about 100 years ago, and the means of mass transportation was by train. People didn't fly, and people didn't drive many cars, but they would go to their destination by trains. I did a little research and found out that you could get on a train in Rocky Mountain, go to Roanoke, or you could even go to Ferrum. And I think I read somewhere it was called the pumpkin vine, rather appropriate for Franklin County. And I uh, remember reading several years ago that there was a railroad company that traveled from Chicago, Illinois, due south to Evansville, Indiana. And between those two points, there was a hamlet of a little town, very small town, And the name of it was Calvary. And not many people stopped at Calvary. And so when the 
train neared that little hamlet of a town called Calvary, the conductor would go through the passenger car and he would say, the next stop is Calvary. Is there anyone for Calvary? And so today I would like for us to stop metaphorically at Calvary and consider what place it plays in the message of Christ for the world. And from that, I want us to think about three, four things that the cross teaches us about our Christian faith. The first thing is that the cross teaches us that sin always separates us from God. The most glaring, of course, illustration of that is when we're still at the cross. You remember our precious Lord hung suspended between earth and heaven with outstretched hands, with spikes in his hands and spikes in his feet. In his Aramaic tongue, uh, the native tongue of our Lord was Aramaic. And you remember on the cross, as recorded in Matthew, Jesus cries out, and if you research that, it was kind of like the guttural roar of a lion, and Jesus said, Eli, Eli, Laba, Sabachthani, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason God turned his back on Jesus was because sin always separates us from God. You see, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that the God that we worship, the God that our praise team sang about, is a God who is absolutely holy. And when men sinned, that sin separated us from holy God. And Jesus, being the sin-bearer of the world, bearing our sin... According to Isaiah 53, he cries out in the guttural roar of a lion, My God, why have you forsaken me? And it's because sin separates us. And that is one of the lessons from the cross. In fact, the Bible makes it abundantly clear in Isaiah 59:2, he says, But your iniquities or your sins have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. Indeed, sin separates. Think about it today. You know as well as I do that sin separates husbands and wives. Oftentimes, an innocent flirtation in the office leads to some motel room and adultery takes place and because of that sin there is divorce. Sin separates. A rebellious son or daughter will leave home because they no longer want to live under the authority of a parent and because of their rebellion and their sin they are separated from their family. That is the lesson of the prodigal son for the prodigal son said father I want what belongs to me. And he left the father's home and he left the father and he wasted 
his inheritance in riotous living. Then he came to a place, this young Jewish boy in a hog pen where no Jew would have ever have been found. And he says, I will return to my father. Sin by its very nature, sin in its inception always separates us from God. And we need to understand that the message of the cross is that sin separates us. It was our heavenly father in love and grace. He created man and woman. He created man. He created woman. God is binary, man and woman, not anything in between. And he put them in a place called the Garden of Eden. And he said to Adam and Eve, you have free range of the whole garden. It's yours. You take care of it. But there's one tree that you must not touch. Have you ever wondered why it was that God gave Adam and Eve the beautiful garden of Eden, but he said there's one tree that is off limits. There's one tree that's a no-no, and you must not touch it. I thought about that years ago, and it occurred to me that God was saying, I'm always God, and there are limits to what man And you must live under my authority. God was saying to Adam and Eve, I have created you, but you are responsible to me. And you must live even in the garden under the authority of God. And the very tree that he said don't touch, they did. And you remember what they did. They hid from God. Why? Because their sin of rebellion separated them from God. That's what sin does. It does in our day. It splits churches. Folks, I've, I've been in a lot of churches. I, I, you know, when you retire, you, you do crazy stuff. And I made a list one time of all the churches I've ever preached in, and I think I got up to 68 or 70. And folks, I've been into some churches You can read into that whatever you want to. But I want you to know that I've been in churches where sin has separated churches. I've been in churches where sin has made people not even want to speak to each other. Jesus said, "By, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for the other. The very signature of the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ is that we at least ought to love one another. Amen? Amen. Therefore, we must learn that the lesson that we learn from the cross is that sin separates us from God. And I know you're already watching your watches, but let's carry on. (laughs) Secondly, the cross teaches us about forgiveness. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34 while Jesus was suffering for our sins on the cross, while he hung there bleeding and in agony, hanging there without clothing, being mocked and spit upon, our Lord said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, folks, can you get the picture? 
as we stop at Calvary today, as we camp there for today and think about the cross and what it means and the fact is that there would be no Christianity without the cross. There on the cross, our lovely Lord, in his humanity, he said, Father, would you forgive them? And the very heart of the Christian gospel is that we have a God who forgives us. But having said that, we can say, well, he was God. He could forgive, but he was man also, fully God and fully man. And I believe as he hung there suffering and bleeding and dying and trying to breathe and being tortured the night before and being weak that he could not even carry the cross, they had to get a man, Simon of Cyrene, to help him carry the cross. And then he said, Father, Father, forgive them. And I got to thinking about that and with what other stuff that we have in the, the New Testament, the fact that our Lord forgave them requires that we forgive others. And the reason I say that is because you remember in the greatest sermon that was ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever preached, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, this is what the Holy Spirit said through Matthew. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Well, we understood that. But then Matthew adds the kicker. He says, but if you do not forgive men their sin, your Father will not forgive your sin. Now, folks, either that's true or the Bible is wrong. Either that is something to think about and to take seriously. Here, Jesus is saying, if you will forgive people who sin against you, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive, your Father will not forgive you. In another place, as we come to worship, the the Bible tells us if If you are worshiping and you remember there is someone against whom you have some wrong, something you haven't forgiven, don't wait, leave your offering and go and be reconciled to that person and then come and worship me. In essence, Jesus says you can't really worship if you come with a spirit of unforgiveness or if there is a bitterness relling up in your heart or my heart. Folks, this thing about forgiveness is important. God has forgiven us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But I know that there are people maybe here today and you've been hurt. And it still hurts. And somebody maybe said something that was not true or or said something to you that just crushed your spirit. And in you, maybe today, it's just... Hard to forgive. I used to do my fair share of counseling and still do some 
occasionally. And I have found a lot of times the problem that Christian folks have in their walk with the Lord is that they have something that they're just not willing to forgive. And folks, until we allow God's Spirit to, to, to let that seek into us, that if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to be serious in terms of what it means to be legitimately Christian, we have to forgive. You have to forgive your husband. You have to forgive your wife. You have to forgive that dad or mom that neglected you. You have to forgive that boss man that fired you. Hard, yes. Impossible, yes. It takes the grace of God to be a forgiver. Therefore, we still have to say that the cross teaches us something about forgiveness. For, you see... If we refuse to forgive the person that you refuse to forgive, they're going to go on and live their life and you're going to be held in a prison of unforgiveness. Do you get the point? In other words, you, well, I'm not going to forgive. Well, they're going to go and do all right and you're going to be in a prison. And There have been times in my life and times in your life when one of the hardest things that is I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, we believe forgiveness is a good idea until we have somebody to forgive. And then it becomes harder, doesn't it? But you see, our Lord from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. And then as Jesus preached, he said, it is imperative for my church to know what it is to forgive. I know it's easier to me to preach on this than it is to do it. I understand that. But yet, I believe Jesus was serious when he said, and I just will remind you, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sin, your Father will not forgive your sin. Thirdly, I believe the cross teaches us about surrendering to the will of God. For you see, in Matthew 26, when our Lord was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says he was so troubled. You remember, he took his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Uh, James and John were, 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 were brothers, as you probably already know. But he took Peter and James and John, that was kind of the inner circle, and he said, I want you to go with me. I got to go pray. And, and, and he said, now you stay here. I'm going a little further and I'm going to pray. And Jesus began to pray and the Bible tells us that he was sorely troubled, that he was in agony and he sweat something that looked like blood. I don't know if that's metaphorically or if it's literally, it doesn't really make that much difference, but whatever it means, it means that our Lord was looking into the cup of the cross, and remember what our Lord said as he was agonizing about what would happen the next day, he said this, my father, if it is possible, 
may this cup, referring to the cross, be taken from me. And then he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then in verse 42, he says, may your will be done. Oh, folks, do you get the burden of our Lord here as he looks at the cross? As he looked into the bitter cup of the cross and he he saw the sins of the whole world that would be placed upon him. Now remember, all the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was symbolic of the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. It was symbol of pointing to the cross that is central to the Christian faith. We who are the people of God must understand that sin teaches us that we must surrender even to the will of God. Jesus knew the burden of the cross. He knew the agony he would face. He knew the sin that, would, that he would have to bear. And Isaiah 53 helps us understand that. You say, well, what's that got to do with us today? Well, a lot. Because the Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 12, he says, Christian, don't be conformed to this world. One of the greatest instruments of the devil is to get God's people to live like the world lives. Folks, we're living in a sick, sinful world. And I know that You think I'm just an old preacher. Well, I am old, so you're right. (laughs) Old as dirt. But, But something's changed. I mean, it's different. Well, it's always been this way. No, it hasn't. Folks, we're celebrating what you we used to be ashamed of. We're being taught that it's all right, and and I believe that there is indoctrination and and, and we're living in a time when if God's people do not come back to Him, I believe the judgment of God is going to fall more than it is right now. Paul said, listen, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove what is the good an acceptable will of God. Folks, do you know the safest place for you to be today is right in the center of God's will. It doesn't mean that it will always be easy to be in God's will. You see, our Lord was in the will of God and and He had to go to the cross, but He was doing the will of God. And there might be times when you will be thrust to do God's will and it'll be hard work. I've always been one of these preachers who appreciated Christian lay men and lay women who worked and came to church and did stuff that nobody ever bragged about because they were trying in their way to do the will of God. That's the reason I think I said this a week or two ago that as I look back in my Christian life, the people that seem to have in 
impacted me the most. I love preachers, but the men and women who've loved God and served God and gave and served and prayed and did everything that they could to be obedient to God and never got a penny for it. We who are the people of God need to know that as Jesus surrendered to the will of God, even when it meant going to the cross, that we must surrender to God's will. And did not Jesus said, take up the cross and follow me. Therefore, and finally, and I know it's two minutes after 12, but I'm going to get to my fourth point. (laughs) Finally, the cross teaches us about the love of God. If I wasn't a Baptist, I may shout, but my point is, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God, the creator, the sustainer, the God who spoke, the God who is, the God who was, the God who is from everlasting to everlasting, he so loved the world that he gave his only son, only one he had, he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, you talk about the cross, it is the expression of God's love It demonstrates God's love because in Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, but God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, folks, we don't have to be good to be saved. We're saved because we're sinners. You're a sinner today, and I'm a sinner. All of us are sinners. All have come short of the glory of God. And it is the cross that teaches us that God loved us even while we were still sinners. As we pause at Calvary today, let's remember at the cross we see the finest, the best, demonstration and expression of God's unconditional love. At the cross, we see the hand of God rescuing humanity. Christianity is a rescuing religion. It rescues us from death to life, from hell to heaven, from hatred to love. We who are God's people benefit because the cross expresses the love of God. Some great theologian, Dr. Corbin would probably know, I can't remember, it was either Karl Barth or uh, Neil Bruner, I'm not sure, but he said this, one of those great theologians said, if you want to... know what God thinks of sin, go to the cross. For you see, it was at Calvary that your sins, 
Larry Holland's sins was placed in the cup of the cross that Jesus shed his blood for. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. But I love that old cross so despised by the world. For a world of lost sinners was slain. Oh, Christian, are you thankful today for the cross? Are you thankful that God sent Jesus so that we could come and worship a God who loves us? The cross teaches us that sin separates us. The cross teaches us that God loves us even while we are sinners. Amen? Let us pray. Father, I thank you today for the cross. Thank you today, Lord, that we are the recipients of what happened at Calvary. Lord, I don't understand it. Lord, I thank you for it. And I pray, Lord, that today, at least for a brief time, we will think of the cross and that the cross, at the cross, where we first saw the light and the burdens of our hearts rolled away. Oh, Father, thank you for the cross. In Christ's name we pray, amen.